Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. And so let's take our Bibles today, though, and let's get in the Word of God. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel in chapter number uh, 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, thank you, 1 Samuel chapter number 12 this morning. And we are going to uh, get right back into our study. And uh, we've been going through the book of 1 Samuel and understanding a lot of things in it and really uh, just seeing and hearing from the Lord. If you were with us last week, then we learned last week that God's people are better together. And uh, what a great week for that, for that thought out of uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 11, understanding that when God's people can gather together and when God's people are united together, man, we are stronger together. And there's so much there. You'll remember, uh, if you were here last week, you'll remember that the people of God, they were really going through uh, what we would call a, a rough time. The children of Israel, they have been Uh, Now, of course, in the promised land for hundreds of years, but they've been going through the time of the judges. They've been wandering away from the Lord. Their relationship with God, we've said this, was a very cyclical relationship, just kind of up and down and topsy-turvy. But then God established judges, and the last of the judges would be this man, Samuel. And Samuel came on the scene, and God would use him. And aren't you thankful for the godly mother of Samuel? Uh, Man, you go and read about a godly mother. A lot of guys probably today on Mother's Day preaching from 1 Samuel chapter number 1 about Hannah and her love for Samuel and her investment in his life and her dedication, dedicating him back to the Lord. Well, her uh, dedication and her sacrifice wasn't in vain because God would raise Samuel up to be one of the best leaders that Israel ever knew and one of the best prophets and priests that would come across the, uh, the stage of leadership for Israel. And God just used Samuel in some incredible ways. Well, we were here a couple of weeks ago and we saw the children of Israel coming before Samuel and requesting a king. You remember that? They got ahead of God. It wasn't God's timing. God had already told them they would have a king, but in his timing, but they got ahead of God. And because they got ahead of God, Samuel had to come and he had to warn them, hey, listen, this is a wrong decision. Once you go down this road, there's no going back. Uh, The Lord said to him, hey, listen, once you uh, go down this direction, don't come back and complain to me. You're making a decision that is going to be detrimental to you in the end. You don't want to go this way. And yet the people stood up and said, no, give us a king. Give us a king. And you'll recall that uh, Samuel, he was heartbroken. And the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, don't worry about it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They rejected that leadership of the Lord, got ahead of him. And how we were reminded that we at times can get ahead of the Lord. But aren't you thankful that even though we can get ahead of God on decisions, God never gives up on us. And he never gives up on us. He continues to still, or he he desires to uh, continue still speaking into our life and directing our life and building our life up. And so what did God do? God brought them Saul. And Saul was a great leader right at first. Saul was the right man for the job. God said, hey, I'm gonna bring you to somebody that can lead you and direct you and somebody that can truly help you uh, seek me. And so God brought them Saul, and Saul would be on the scene. And uh, if you go, and we're in the first few years of Saul's leadership, one of the first things that happened is First Samuel chapter number 11, where we were at last week, where we saw the city of Jabesh-Gilead. If you remember with me, Jabesh-Gilead on the east side of the Jordan River in the area of Gad. 
And Jabesh Gilead was there and the Ammonites, the enemies of God, they come up against Jabesh Gilead and they say, hey, we're gonna overtake you. And Jabesh Gilead in fear says, okay, uh, uh, we'll serve you. And the Ammonites say, all right, if you're gonna really serve us, then uh, in a week's time, we want you to come out and let us gouge out your right eyes. And you remember with us last week, Jabesh Gilead, they're like, okay, that sounds good. We'll try to find backup. If we don't, you can take our right eyes. That's not a very good plan to me. This isn't very good uh, leadership and warship. I don't know if that's a word, but anyway. Uh, you can look, and you know what? That was their plan. And so they send out word to all of the other tribes and all the other people of Israel. And if you go to the passage in 1 Samuel chapter number 11, the people of Israel kind of count Jabesh Gilead as gone. They begin weeping, and oh man, oh, it's such a bummer. And they begin crying and wailing about uh, Jabesh Gilead. And Saul comes off the field, their new king. He comes off the field out of working, and uh, that shows us his humility and his work ethic. And even though he was king, still willing to work, so much there about Saul. But he comes off, he says, hey, why is everybody crying? They say, well, haven't you heard about Jabesh Gilead and the Ammonites? And Saul, he takes the oxen, he cuts them up into pieces, and he mails it out uh, to all the different regions, not as a threat. Remember, it wasn't a threat. Hey, I'm going to come and get you if you do this. It was, hey, you've got to understand, the Ammonites aren't going to stop with Jabesh Gilead. The enemy isn't just, their enemy isn't just the enemy of Jabesh Gilead. It is a common enemy. The Ammonites, they were against the people of God all the way back uh, to the book of Numbers. Remember that? And the book of Judges, all, all throughout that, the Ammonites against them. Well, what does that do? That stirs the heart of the people. And 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse number 6, tells us that the Spirit of the Lord came over Saul. And chapter number 7 helps us see that the Spirit of the Lord, through the fear of God, came upon the people. And the people joined together and 330,000, remember? 330,000 people come out to battle the Ammonites. And Jabesh Gilead, they say, hey, uh, Ammon, we'll come out to Nahash. He's the leader of the Ammonites. We'll come out tomorrow. Of course, their fingers were crossed behind their back. We'll come out tomorrow and, uh, and we'll let you take us then. Ha, 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 joke's on you. They show up the next day, 330,000. And what do they do, man? The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 11 and verse number uh, 13, it says that the Lord brought a great salvation, a great victory that day. What did the children of Israel learn? They learned that they're better together. God's people are always better together. Why? Common enemy. Man, there's a common enemy, and the same is true today, isn't it? That if the devil's attacking one Christian, man, he's a common enemy. He's not going to stop with them. He's coming after you next. There's a common enemy. We saw last week that the people of God are better together because of a common enemy, because of a common cause. They needed, they needed to stand up and fight for the name of the Lord. This wasn't just the testimony or the uh, character of Jabesh Gilead that was in question. No, the Ammonites said, we are going to take out your right eyes as a, as a trap, as an uh, uh, um, identification piece saying that your God is weak. There's a common cause to stand up for the Lord. There's a common enemy, a common cause. We saw there's a common strength, strength in numbers. Man, they got together. They were no longer afraid. And then we saw that because of their being better together, there was, there was a common victory. Man, they understood God can do great things. We've just come off that victory. The children of Israel, they've just experienced that. And so I want you to see what takes place next. But before we get to it, I want to ask you if you've ever heard the phrase, how soon we forget. You ever heard that phrase, how soon we forget? Maybe you, uh, 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 maybe you heard it from your mom. 
my mom would say that to me. And of course, she's sitting here. It was kind of easier when you weren't here and it was just a camera because then I could say whatever I want. And now I have to be careful. Uh, I know growing up, uh, there would be times where my mom, maybe she'd come in and she'd give some instructions. And it's literally seconds after the words have rolled off of her lips. I say, now, what'd you say? Maybe you ladies, your husband's like that. Now, what'd you say? And my mom will say, or my wife will say, how soon we forget. Man, you forget things so quick. How soon we forget. Uh, Maybe you recall um, the times when your parents were perhaps leaving, maybe to go on a date or to go on a little trip, and they left you some specific instructions. Now, here's what I want you to make sure before we get back that you clean the room, clean the kitchen, and then they come back, and the room and the kitchen aren't clean. And you go, I didn't hear you say that. Mom, mom, I don't remember you saying that. And your mom might say, well, how soon, how soon we forget. You know what? When you and I come to the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 12 and 13, I look at the children of Israel and I say, wow, how soon we forget. Because there are some things that the children of Israel forgot and it got them into a situation and it got them into a relationship with the Lord that they didn't want. It got them into some trouble. But the whole reason is because they just forgot. I want you to notice with me what they forgot today. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 24. 1 Samuel 12, 24. We're gonna kind of skip around a little bit. We'll cover both of these chapters. But just to kind of get us on the same page, 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 24. This is Samuel speaking. He says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart for consider." How great things he hath done for you, but if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both you, both ye, and your king. Now skip over to 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13, verse number 11. Some things have transpired. Saul has uh, wrongly sacrificed and stepped into an office that was not his. The people had followed him and they had all sinned against the Lord. Notice what Samuel says. Verse, 13, or verse number 11, and Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me uh, to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man, After his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And Samuel arose and gat him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with him abode in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Now, you look at all this and say, all right, pastor, we kind of jumped around. What is taking place? What we're going to find is at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter number 12, God's people are in a healthy relationship with the Lord. 
God's people are in a uh, reverence relationship with God. They're loving God. They're serving God. They're keeping God first. But by the end of chapter number 13, they are living away from God, enveloped by fear. They are completely uh, uh, overtaken by a scared spirit, by a nervous spirit, and they're completely away from the Lord and almost to the point where God is saying, what is going on? But how did they get there? How'd they get from healthy relationship to unhealthy relationship? I think we're gonna see it's because they forgot. They forgot some things, how soon we forget. And today we're gonna be challenged just like the children of Israel were. Let's not forget some things. Three specific things I think they forgot today that we're going to see. But before we get into it, let's just pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a minute, whether you're here or at home, and just take a moment and ask the Lord to speak to your heart today. Give him permission to speak to you. God, please speak to me. I give you permission to speak to me. And then make a commitment today that as God speaks to you, that you're listening to him and that you'll respond to him. Dear Lord, we thank you for the day and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for how you use it to speak into our lives. And God, we pray that you would help us today once again to hear from you. I pray for every person, whether online or here present, Lord, that you would speak to us and challenge us by your word. I pray that we would be strengthened. I pray that you'd help our walk with you this week through the message. And then, Lord, I pray today that you would help um, if there's someone watching or here that does not know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity I pray that today would be the day they come to know you as Savior. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for what you're going to do in our presence today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you look at 1 Samuel chapter number 12, we find that it opens up with a, a certain scene. And just to kind of give us uh, the scenario and everything taking place, I want us to know what's happening. Of course, Chapter 11, they've had that victory over the Ammonites. They've experienced victory. It's just taken place. And when you come into chapter number 12, Samuel, he's appointed Saul as king over Israel officially. A great celebration has taken place. But then Samuel has some words of challenge or some words of encouragement for the people of Israel. That's actually how 1 Samuel 12 opens up. Notice what Samuel says with me. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 through 5. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that you said unto me and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you and I am old and gray-headed and behold, my sons are with you and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken or whose ass have I taken or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it you. What's Samuel doing? Samuel is kind of setting up a case for himself as the man of God. Hey, listen, if I've done wrong in leading you in any way, I want you to tell me. If I've defrauded you, if I've lied to you, if I've misled you, if I've misjudged you, if I've uh, 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 given you a wrong prophecy, if I've defrauded you in any way, call me out. And notice what they say. And they said, thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, the Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. 
And they answered, he is witness. What's taking place is Samuel, he's saying, hey, I have led you the best that I could. I've led you the best that I could. I have kept a right testimony before you. I have been honest before you and encouraged you. And he lists out different aspects of his life before the people of God. And he says to them, if you have something to say or an area where I've mistreated you or been dishonest, then speak up. The people say, no, you're right. You're right. You have not done, you haven't led us astray. Now, why is Samuel doing that? I believe he's doing that to present some credibility for what he's about to say. He's saying, hey, I haven't led you wrong at all. Even though you wanted a king and I was hurt by that, I haven't defrauded you, haven't led you wrong. Is that true? Yes, that's true, Samuel. And then Samuel almost says, okay, then listen up. Then listen up. Well, what does he say listen up about? Look at verse number seven. Verse number seven, he says, now therefore stand still. All right, since I have a right testimony, since you know I speak truth, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and to your fathers. Hey, listen, have I led you astray? No, Samuel, haven't led us astray. All right, then, then pay attention. I'm gonna recount to you how good God has been in your life. I'm gonna recall before you all of the righteous acts, all of the actions of the right actions of God that have taken place in your life. I'm gonna recall them before you. Over the next few verses, Samuel kind of rehearses their history. He goes back to Moses and Aaron and the leadership there. He talks about them coming out of Egypt. He goes to the book of Judges and begins to rehearse all the victories that the children of God had experienced and all that God had done in their life. And through all of this, all of the the verses that you see from verse 6 down through verse number 13, what Samuel is doing, or excuse me, verse 8 to verse 13, he is pointing out, listen, I just want to point out to you that God has been good. God has been good to you. God has worked in your life. God has encouraged you. God has helped you. And he just goes through all these things that the Lord has done. And then from verses 14 down through verse number 25, Samuel begins to challenge or warn the people about keeping their hearts in love with the Lord. Notice how it starts. Verse 14, Samuel says this. He says, if ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Basically, Samuel's saying this, hey, listen, God's been good to you. Keep seeking him. Just keep following him. Keep going after him. He has worked in your lives. He will continue. But you've got to keep following him. You've got to keep loving him. You've got to keep looking to him. And during all of this, Samuel is just calling the people to understand God's been good. Keep pursuing him. And then from verse 16 to verse uh, about 19, Samuel gives them a sign. He prays, and uh, you can look, look with me, verse number 16. Now, therefore, stand and see the great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Uh, is it not wheat harvest today? This isn't on the screen, but he says, I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, and ye have done, uh, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So now he's saying, all right, now I'm going to show you that what I'm saying is truth. I'm going to pray, and thunder and lightning is going to come out of heaven. Well, he prays. That takes place. Verse 19, 
All the people said unto Samuel, pray for thy servants and the Lord thy God that we die not for we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. Man, the people, they realize, all right, we've done wrongly. They repent. Samuel, pray for us. And then Samuel begins again to reiterate the encouragement that he gave. He tells them in verse 20 down through verse number 25, hey, don't fear. I will stand for you. I will pray to, I will pray to God for you. But here's what you need to recall. You need to recall a fear for the Lord. Keep following him, keep loving him. But I want you to notice something awesome. In the midst of all of this, Samuel tells the people what God's gonna do no matter what. Notice verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. The Lord, he will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Man, so here's Samuel setting all of this up. Chapter 12 is a great chapter where Samuel, hey, have I done anything to mislead you? No, Samuel, you haven't done anything to mislead us. All right, then listen up. Let me encourage you. Seek God, pursue him, love him, follow him. Oh, by the way, let me give you a sign that I'm speaking truth again. And he gives that sign that people fear. And he says, you don't need to be afraid because God will never leave you. God is never going to forsake you. For his great namesake, God will always walk with you because he has chosen you to be his people. Only fear the Lord and serve him. That's what he says in verse 24 and 25. Only fear him and serve him. And then you come to chapter 13. (laughs) And in chapter 13, we are brought face to face with the thought of how soon we forget. Here's how we're brought face to face with that. In 1 Samuel chapter number 13, the people of God, they're being once again approached by an enemy of God. The Philistines, they're a common enemy. We'll see them uh, throughout the entire book of 1 Samuel, and we'll see them in the life of David. Uh, But you can go and see the Philistines coming against the people of God time and time and time again. Well, long story short, the Philistines, this well-known enemy, they come up against the people of God, and you read in the first few verses that Jonathan, Saul's son, another character that we'll be introduced to in a greater way next week, he finds a little small victory. Because of this, it would seem that it would infuriate the Philistines that they get riled up. Jonathan and Saul have this small little victory, and so now, man, they're going to bring down the hammer, so to say, against all the people of Israel. And because of that, because of that fierce enragement of the Philistines coming up against Michmash and against uh, Saul is thinking, well, they're going to come down to Gibeah. They're about to attack us. And all this fear begins to take over God's people. And in fear, they begin to panic and they begin to doubt everything that God had done. It puts the people in a little bit of a frenzy and Saul is at a loss of what to do. Verse number seven, as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. All of them were afraid. Here's an enemy. This is two years. Now keep this in mind. This is two years after the victory over Ammon. All right, two years. Here they are two years later and they're going, oh no, what are we gonna do? Here's another enemy, what are we gonna do? We can't fight. We're not even, we're not even good with swords. We can't do that. And they, they begin to fear and frantically they begin to search for what to do. And what takes place next is completely heartbreaking. Notice verse number eight. Saul tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. 
And he offered the burnt offering, and it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of, the offering, uh, of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. You say, Pastor, what happened there? Samuel would be the one that was supposed to offer the sacrifice. This would be something that would be done uh, in accordance with Old Testament laws and different things like that. And so it was Samuel's position as the priest to make that sacrifice. And so Samuel had said to Saul, hey, I'll come back in seven days. In seven days, I'll come back. We'll do the sacrifice. Don't worry about the enemy. Listen, we're going to war. It's okay. I will come back. God's still got this. That's Samuel's mentality with the, hey, God's still got this. You just, just stay patient. I'll be back in seven days. We'll do the sacrifice and then every, we'll go to war. Well, that morning of the seventh day came. And remember, Saul, he's trembling. He wakes up, wringing his hands. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Someone get the sacrifice. Samuel's not here. Get the sacrifice. We've We've gotta do something. And here's the people of God, again, getting ahead of the Lord. Saul stepping into an office that he was not supposed to do. He was not supposed to make the sacrifices, and there's way more to it than we have time to cover. But just know, Saul wasn't supposed to be making sacrifices. And yet, in self will, with self-service, Saul steps in and leads the people away from God. A fearful people will follow any leadership. That's why we need to pray for our leaders, that God would help our leaders to stand up and help understand uh, uh, different things, especially right now in our situation. But I want you to know in the word of God, what you have taking place is you have the people fearful, And this fearful leader is leading them, and so it's just gonna cause more fear. And so here's what you have taking place. You have Saul offering the sacrifice. And from verse 11 down through verse number 14, we read it a moment ago, Samuel says, Saul, what have you done? Saul, what have you done? Because of this, God rejects you as king, and he's gonna bring in a man after his own heart. when you go and you look at this, I want you to know and remember with me that everything we see taking place in chapter 13 is only two years removed from what took place in chapter 11 and chapter 12. Great victory, all of that was just two years earlier. Samuel had called the people to have a whole heart of love and following God and yet here we are how soon they forgot. The children of Israel and Saul, they found themselves in this place of regret. At the end of the chapter, they are regretting the decisions they have made. They are in an unhealthy relationship before the Lord. They are at a place, at the end of chapter number 13, they are at a place where they're surrounded by an enemy, uh, at a place where they never wanted to be or should be. But they got to this place of an unhealthy relationship simply because they forgot. And here's what I want to present to us today. It's this simple truth, that if we are not careful, we can find ourselves at a place in our relationship with the Lord that we don't want to be. Because we too can forget. We can forget some things. And so this morning, I want us to be challenged to not find ourselves at the same place that the children of Israel found themselves. The place of quickly forgetting. Well, what did they forget and what do you and I need to uh, not forget and, and remember? I want you to notice, first of all, with me today, that they forgot the accomplishments of God. 
The children of Israel, they forgot the accomplishments of God. What do you mean by that? They forgot what God had done for them. If you were to go back, and again, I would encourage you on your own time to read 1 Samuel 12 and 13 this afternoon. Just read it. Because when Samuel recalls to them everything that that had taken place, he goes back and he reminds them of uh, the purposeful living that they had. And he reminds them of what God had done in their lives. If you were to go through these passages, you would see that he reminds them of the deliverances that God had given. Samuel reminds them of the victories that God had given. Samuel reminds them of the enemies that they had defeated. He reminds them of the times that they had failed God, but God had not failed them. All of this is in verse 7 down through verse number 12. He's saying, hey, listen, I want to remind you and rehearse for you all of the accomplishments, everything that God has done for you. I want you to recall it to memory because God has worked in your life. But what they do, they forgot. And the truth is that when you and I find ourselves away from the Lord, maybe in a unhealthy relationship with the Lord, maybe we're feeling like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm as close to him as I, as I want to be, as I need to be. It could be perhaps because we've forgotten or we've ne- neglected to reflect or think upon all that God has done for us. All too often, we forget the victories that he brings into our life. We forget the experience of God working in one way or another in our life and We forget that experience right away. It's kind of like that on to the next thing spirit. How often do we forget about answered prayer from last week? How often do we forget about protection that we prayed for and God gave? How often do we forget maybe about that job that we prayed for and God provided or maybe uh, two jobs ago and we were really hurting and God said, all right, I'll bless with a job and yet we forget and find ourselves distant in our relationship with the Lord. I believe that at times when we are distant from the Lord, it's because how soon we forget. We forget the accomplishments of the Lord. How soon we forget the encouragement that God gave last time you were discouraged. How soon we forget that little need that was met when you never thought it could be. How little we forget about the relationship that I thought was long gone, but God restored. We forget about the wisdom that's given in times of need. We forget about the accomplishments that God gives. And can I challenge you this morning? Regularly reflect upon what God has done and is doing in your life. Have the heart of the psalmist in Psalm 66, 16, when he says, come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Hey, I'll recall for you all the great things God has done for me. Oh, listen, it's easy to remember some of the big things, isn't it? Oh, you know, I remember when I got saved. You should remember the big things. But if you go through 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 8, down through verse number 13, There's a lot of little small things in there. Let me read you one verse. Go to verse number uh, number nine, 1 Samuel 12, nine. It says, they, talking about the children of Israel, they forgot the Lord and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab and they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth, but now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Bedan and Jephthah, Jephthah, excuse me, and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of the enemies on every side and ye dwelled safe. Listen, when you go, 
go through and you read some of that, uh, unless we had just gone through the book of Judges, we wouldn't know who those people were. The only reason many of us can say, oh, I kind of recognize the name of Sisera, or I recognize uh, the name of, of, uh, of Bedan, or, or Jephthah, or I recognize Samuel, I recognize Jeroboam, the reason is because we just got done doing Judges. But you know what? You go through all of those victories, they would be in, the, in Israel's history seemingly small things. We need to not only in our lives, we need to not only recall and think about the large things. Oh, I remember the day I was saved. I remember that great victory God gave me over that sin. I need to remember last week when I prayed, God, would you keep me safe? And he did. I need to remember this week when I prayed, God, would you help protect my health? And he did. I need to remember when I prayed and God answered it a different way than I prayed. Because that's still God working. But how soon we forget. And when you find yourself in an unhealthy relationship with the Lord, can I encourage you? Recall the accomplishments of the Lord. They forgot the accomplishments of the Lord, what God did for them. They forgot the instruction from the Lord, what God said to them. That's what they forgot. They forgot what God said to them. The people of God, they forgot that in all of chapter number 12, I mean, two years before you read what took place in chapter 13, you find Samuel telling the people, listen, this is from God. Love him, follow him, seek him, stay after him, and God will be close to you. Stay close to God and he'll protect you. And yet the people forgot. He called the people, the instruction of the Lord was keep loving, seeking, following, and you can rest assured that God will lead you, guide you, protect you, and help you. You've got to know that the Lord, he'll never forsake you, but if you walk away from him, he's not able to care for you and protect you like he wants to. But what do we find? We find the people of God forgetting his instruction, walking away from their healthy relationship, forsaking that love, why don't you think about it this way? Where's Dennis? Dennis, come here real quick. <clears throat> I just think about it this way. If you can imagine uh, me and my son, Dennis, and we're, we're going to be walking through a back alley. I remember this plenty of times when I was a kid and walking with my dad, walking through a back alley. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid, when you're, you know, how old are you? 14. When you're 14 years old. <laughs> You know what, when you're, when you're probably 10, 11, 12, and maybe even a little bit younger, and you're, four, you're even 14 years old, and you're coming to a place that's unfamiliar. I remember walking through the alleys behind our church in Colorado, and they were kind of sketchy alleys. A lot, of, a lot of things happened in those alleys. You can ask my dad. He's got great stories. But if a father is walking through with a son, and the father says, hey, we're going through this alley, there's there's some dogs back here that could probably chase us. There's, there's, uh, might be, there might be a drug deal taking place back here. We're going down this alley. that we have, we have to go through this alley. But son, stay close to me, and everything will be okay. Just stay close to me. That's not a command, is it? Hey, you stay near me, boy. That's not what the dad said. Dad just said, hey, hey just stay close to me, and everything will be okay. Now, if the son just takes off, take off. No, that way. We're going down the alley, not that alley, that alley. <laughs> if the sun just takes off, stop right there. Listen, if a dog comes out and attacks the sun and the dad's back here, who got away? The sun did. Now, is the dad going to go, well, that's your own fault. Sorry, buddy. Is the dad going to do that? 
No, the dad's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna run. I'm coming, I'm coming, son, I'm coming. But if the son had stayed close, had that healthy relationship, some of the dog bites might not have happened. Does that make sense? That's chapter 12 and chapter 13. Thanks, bud. You did a great job. Wonderful job. That's what's happening in chapter 12 and chapter 13. The Lord's saying, hey, hey, children of Israel, my people, hey, stay near me. Stay near me. It's not God throwing out this thing saying, if you, if you go away from me, boy, I'm going to zap you. Because that's not God. If he was saying that, then verse 22 wouldn't be in our passage. That the Lord won't forsake you for his great namesake because he hath chosen you to be his people. That wouldn't be there. Here's what the Lord is saying. Hey, stay close to me. And I promise things will work out. Oh, the dogs might still attack. The enemy might still come. You might get bit. But I'm telling you, it's not going to be as bad as things could be if you got away. But what the children of Israel do, what the people of God do, they forgot. They forgot the instruction of the Lord. They forgot to seek him. They forgot to love him. They forgot to stay close to him. They forgot to have that reverence of him. And the same thing is true in our lives, and we have the same instruction from the Lord. Hey, Christian, stay close to God. Keep loving him, and what's he gonna do? He's gonna guide you and direct you. Oh, are there gonna be struggles? Yes. We're starting a brand new series tonight about suffering out of the book of 1 Peter. Man, the Christians knew about suffering in that first century, didn't they? And yet, you know what God did? God helped them every step of the way. Stay close to the Lord. Why? Because if that clo- with that closeness brings protection, encouragement, that healthy relationship, How do we stay close to the Lord? We stay close to the Lord by continually engaging in our relationship with him through the word of God, through prayer, through worship, through praise. We continue to grow in our relationship with him and what does he do? Man, that keeps us close and that keeps us in that healthy relationship. Solomon said in Proverbs 6, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And reproofs of instruction, they're, they're the way of life. But when you and I forget his instruction, we drift, we find ourselves at a place of distance and we find ourselves in that unhealthy relationship. The children of Israel, they forgot the accomplishments of the Lord, what God had done for them. They forgot the instruction of the Lord, what God had said to them. But notice lastly with me today, they forgot the heart of the Lord. They forgot the heart of the Lord. What is this? They simply forgot God's heart toward them. (laughs) Oh, this took me a little bit to see as I was reading and studying. And this is really one of the very last things that came out to me. I thought, wow, that is an amazing thought. If you go through this passage, as you read through all of the uh, history and everything that Samuel's rehearsing for them, you come across the heart of God for his people time and time again. What do you read? Here's what you read. You read him saying, God forgave you. God gave grace to you. God gave strength to you. He gave you power and healing and wisdom and direct direction. God gave you so much. Because God's heart is for his people. God's heart is for his people. He loved them and he wanted what was best for them. His desire 
God's desire for them was that they would know a healthy and a growing relationship with him. He offered so much to his people and he had so much for them to experience. But they forgot his heart towards them. They forgot his heart of love. They forgot forgiveness and grace and mercy. And the truth is, if we're all honest, we can be like that as well. We begin to see God as a dictator rather than a savior. We can get to the place where we neglect to think about the heart of God for us. Or we think wrongly about the heart of God for us. I was praying this morning and every Sunday I'm here early and and just trying to spend time in prayer. And as I was praying this morning, the Lord convicted my heart because of how many times I feel like, God, I just gotta do more for you to earn you to like me. I gotta, I gotta do this because then you'll be happy with me. And this morning as I was praying and talking, about, talking to the Lord about today, I feel like the Lord was just like, hey, quit trying. <laughs> just love me back. My heart is good toward you. My heart is good toward you. And yet how often we forget his heart for us. We forget that he extends forgiveness freely. We forget about his grace and his mercy. We forget about his love. We forget what he says to us, what he says about us. We forget the sacrifice that was mentioned a little bit ago. We forget that we're worth something to him. Let me give you what Lamentation says is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Why? Because his compassions fail not. His compassions, his tender love on display, it never stops. Honestly, as I typed this out yesterday, I, I just typed the word wow. <laughs> because as I thought about this, it just brought me under conviction of how guilty I am of forgetting how much he loves me and how valuable I am to him. The old saying says, no one loves you like a mother loves you. But can I tell you today that truly no one loves you like God loves you. It's immeasurable. It's immeasurable. That's the word so, for God so loved the world. And your name is there. You are worth the death of Jesus Christ so that you could have eternal life. Don't ever underestimate your worth with God. And you mean so much to him. Know the heart of the Lord. Why? Because if I know the heart of God, it's gonna keep me in a healthy relationship with God. In 1 Samuel 12 and 13, the people of God, they find themselves away from the Lord. They're fearful. They're hurting. They're outnumbered. They're at a place that God never intended for them to be. Why? Because they forgot. They forgot what God had done for them. They forgot what God had said to them and they forgot God's heart toward them. Can I encourage you today? Don't forget. Don't have a how soon we forget Christianity. God's done some great things in your life. Even in the hard times, listen, many people and some even in here have recounted with me, pastor, the last eight weeks have been hard. It can be a hard eight weeks. Listen, it can be a hard time, but God's still good even in the hard times. He's still working in your life. 
hey, don't forget the heart of God. Don't forget the accomplishments of the Lord. Don't forget his instruction. Keep loving me and stay close to me. And don't forget his heart. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.